1: Glad you guys are here tonight. How many people here have or know somebody who has their own business? Okay, we all know Daryl Renfro, so we know somebody that has their own business. Okay, and uh, so his is a family business. It's uh, 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 Renfro Construction is one of them, and then they got a heating and air uh, uh, business as well. And and uh, you know, as as they uh, as Daniel and Philip have grown up, you know, Daryl had kind of uh, uh, you know groom them to take over the family business one day, and uh, you know Daniel went in and went that direction, and Philip went another direction, which there 's nothing wrong with that, but what we 're talking about tonight is the family business okay and, uh, and our family business, as it applies to uh, our Christianity and, and what uh, what Jesus has left here for us to do. Uh, <clears throat> there was a Jewish businessman in Chicago he sent his sons to Israel. Uh, to absorb the culture. I mean, they're, they're Jewish, and they're living in America, so he wants them to absorb some of the culture over there in Israel. So he sends his son over to Israel, and the son comes back, and his son says, Dad, guess what? I've been, I've been, uh, I became a Christian. I got saved over there. I converted to Christianity. And Dad was not happy. He wasn't happy at all. And he said, What have I done? So he took his son's problem to his best friend. And he was walking into his, going into his best friend's house. His best friend uh, says, you know, I sent my son to Israel. And guess what? He got converted to Christianity. So they're, they're bellyaching about the fact that, you know, they're, they're, they sent their sons to Israel to learn about their culture and, and their religion. And they come back Christians. And he said, well, let's, let's go to the rabbi and see what he has to say. So they head to the rabbi. And as they go in, the rabbi seems to have the same story. His son went to Israel, came back, converted to Christianity. So they're all belly aching together, and they, they kneel down and they're going to the Lord in prayer. And as they're praying and telling the Lord about their sons, as they finish their prayer, a voice came from heaven and says, Funny, you should ask. I too sent my son to Israel. The family business. God sent his son. Into the family business, if you will. You know, from the age of 12, we we read about Jesus being left at the temple. You know, Joseph and Mary went, went left him there for a couple of days, had to journey back, and there he was preaching in the in the temple. And he made this fundamental statement about his life, and this this had repercussions throughout his entire life. He said he must be about his father's business. You know, and that has repercussions for us as well, because we must be about our Father's business. When we accept Christ into our heart, accept Christ as our Savior, you know, really, there's no other. Sure, there's jobs around the church. There's running the sound booth. There's there's someone standing up here preaching. There's cleaning crews and so on. But really, is that our business? Those are things we do. Those are things we do to support the church. But our business is, say, reaching the lost, evangelism. That's, that's the Father's business, spreading the gospel. When he returned to the Father, Jesus left that business to us. He did, a, he did an unbelievable, awesome job while he was here, did he not? We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Before we go any further, I want to go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. Just thank you for your many blessings, Lord. And I just pray your hand would be upon us here tonight, Lord. I pray your hand would be upon those that are sick and not here tonight, Lord. I just pray a special blessing for them, Lord. You know who they are, and you know the needs of our hearts. Lord, be with me. I pray you speak through me tonight. Speak to hearts. Help us to see the importance of spreading your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when he returned to the Father, Jesus left his business to us. But before he ascended to heaven, he left us a blueprint of how to run that business. I mean, we have God's word, do we not? In Matthew, and you can turn there. I should have given you the, the scripture ahead of time. But Matthew uh, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. <clears throat> and I'll give you a little bit of time to turn there. But when Je- uh, we're, we're starting in verse 18. It says, When Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So even though Jesus isn't here in body, he is with us. The Holy Spirit resides within each and every one of us. And we have that power at our disposal. And we were talking in a uh, in small group Monday night about how many... You know, we all have it, but how many don't use it. They don't tap into that power. You know, we're, we're, It's there. It's there to give us... Uh, strength It's there to give us courage. You know, I, I, I made the reference. That it's like somebody standing behind you, pushing you, you know, supporting you, helping you stand tall and bold. But we never really tap into it, do we? Not, not, where, not where evangelism comes into play. Not where, 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 to, uh, where we need to step out and speak to people. And we have to ask ourselves how closely we've kept to the mission that Christ has left to us. Yeah, we mention him in, in passing. We, men- we mention him to those who we come in contact with occasionally. But I, I, I got the thing, and, and, and it, you know I, I can only think about myself and what I don't do. But the people that I come in contact with, and it, it's, it's right at 100 people a day. I work on, at Supply on Base, and we got people coming in and out of there all the time. And how many of those people leave without hearing anything about Jesus, without ever hearing an invite to church? That's just me, that's just one. We each have a responsibility there to spread the gospel, to be about our Father's business, just as Jesus was. And in my experience, it seems the longer that we are believers, the more we insulate ourselves from unbelievers. I've always tried to live my life, and, and probably there's some detriment in putting myself in situ- possibly in situations where I really shouldn't be, but I've, I've always tried to To come alongside those unbelievers, people that I know are not living how they should be living, so I could be an example to them. And like I said, probably putting myself in places I shouldn't have, and praise God that I've not been caught unaware, but it's important that we don't shun unbelievers, that we don't uh, disassociate ourselves from the world and come into our nice little sanctuary here and treat it just as that, a sanctuary. Now, true, this is a place where we can come and we can be insulated from the outside world, where we can get rejuvenated, where we can get recharged for Jesus. But, you know, eventually we have to go back outside those doors and be about our Father's business. And our Father's business is unbelievers and bringing them in to the sanctuary. Or pointing them in the direction of another sanctuary. One thing we need to remember, Victory Church may not be for everybody, but there is, there is a church for everybody out there. And one thing we have to remember, it's not about getting them in church, it's about introducing them to Christ. That's the important thing. It's often the case that when someone comes to Christ, the people they used to hang around with no longer share the same interests, which uh, really should be so. I mean, as we accept Christ, our interests change. <clears throat> we're interested in other things. We're, we're not interested. We're not the same person we used to be, man or woman, you know, child, uh, teen. We're, 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 we're a different person. We're supposed to be a different person. We're supposed to act differently. We're supposed to be different. But that doesn't mean I don't know the same people I knew before. That doesn't mean I'm not related to the same people I was related to before. We still have to deal with, with those people. And that's where, this comes in. That, that's where all this fits together. And as time goes on, if we're not careful, we even become critical of those we don't spend, uh, who, sp- who spend time with unbelievers. And that was, that was so, such my fear as I... Hung with unbelievers. You all know I had the Harley Davidson. And I had the leather vest. And I had the chaps. And I rode and I rode with some rough guys from time to time. I didn't put myself in. in, in, in I didn't go to the bar. I didn't go to stuff like that. But, but hey, if somebody would have seen me, they'd say, John Pratt, is that you? You, you see what I'm saying? But I reached some people. I reached them. I, I was an example to them. It's important that we're about our Father's business. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes, they they shunned Jesus. They they remember the remarks they would make about Jesus, how he ate with sinners, how he ate with publicans, and, and they really put him down. We certainly don't want that to be the case for us. And of course, we recognize too that Jesus didn't have a sin nature. Not 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 like we do. He didn't sin. He was sinless. We have to be careful as Christians and in the, in the, in the positions we put ourselves in when we are about our Father's business, that we don't bring discredit upon God, upon Christ, upon this church, upon ourselves. It's very important. But we need the fellowship and encouragement of other believers to help us stay on the right path, which is part of the reason Jesus started the church in the first place. So we could build each other up. So we could encourage each other. Pastor has a saying, bring them in, build them up, and send them back out. That's what we should be in the business of doing. Bringing people into this church, building them up, teaching them, discipling them, and then going alongside them, sending them back out into the, into the world to do what we did. Victory Church should be running over, should be flowing over with people if we all did what we were supposed to do if we were about our father's business. If we're going to be in the family business of reaching people, we need to learn from Jesus' example of how to do that. And one thing that Jesus was, he was inclusive. He included everybody. There was not one person that Jesus did not include. He was all-inclusive. You know, when you go on a cruise... You know, you want it to be all-inclusive. That means, or, or you go to a, a nice resort, you want it to be all-inclusive. That means everything included, meals, drinks, okay? I don't mean alcoholic drinks, soda, lemonade, all that stuff, uh, snacks. Penny and I went on a cruise last June. I'm sure uh, some of you have been on cruises, and it, it's, it's awesome. Because you, you don't have to pay for nothing. You, you want something to eat, you go down and get something to eat. You want something to drink, you go get something to drink. All-inclusive. Jesus was all-inclusive. He didn't exclude nothing. And while the religious leaders of that day were exclusive and hostile, Jesus was approachable and welcoming. The religious leaders of that day, they wanted wanted people to to dress like them, to look like them, to act like them. And that wasn't what Jesus was about. Jesus met people where they were at. Whether it was down in the gutter, whether it was in the... uh, the temple no matter where it was Jesus met them where they were at and accepted them for who they were he wasn't judgmental of course but the religious leaders were very critical and judgmental of everyone and part of the objection of the religious leaders was that Jesus ate with sinners <clears throat> but we ask the question why did he eat with sinners because that the table is where where you have fellowship do you not How many people people have ever eaten dinner with a complete and total stranger at your dinner table in your house? You probably haven't. At at best, you've at least been introduced to them. You might know their first name. I've never sat down at my table and said, who are you again? You you know what I'm saying? It's a place of familiarity. It's a place where, where where we fellowship. We know the people. And that's why Jesus did a lot of his eating with sinners. And the publicans uh, berated him for it. Why you're, they, He told the disciples, your master, he eats with sinners and publicans. And, and he, they put him down. They couldn't understand why he did that. And on that note, we look today at the family. How many families eat around the dinner table these days? I, got, I even admit, our family, toward, towards when the boys got older, we ate in the living room. We ate in the den where the TV was. We, ate a, we got a big coffee table. That's where we ate dinner. Penny and I still eat dinner there. But I'll tell you what, Sunday, Sunday after church, is our family day. And we eat around the table. Because that's where fellowship, that's where family, that's where friends, that's where, where it takes place. Satan's attacking that. Look at the families that are breaking up. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but I, I would be willing to say that if, if families would come back together and get around the dinner table and, and talk about their day and, and uh, be interested in their kids' lives, it may take care of some of the problems. But Satan's breaking up the family. He's bro- broken up the dinner table. In that time, the dinner table wasn't like ours is today. You know, we had the seder meal and, and such, and, and we sat around the tables. But if it was if it was of that day, it would have been a table a couple feet high. Now, our family spent eight years in Japan, and, and so there was those times where we sat on the floor and ate there. But I had the opportunity when I was deployed to eat the way they eat over there. We sat on the floor. They had a big platter of, you name it, meats, cheeses, olives, all that food from, from over, you know, there. In, we call it the desert. But, but, and everybody that, that was around the table, there was 10 or 12 of us, we'd just reach up there and grab it, eat it. If we didn't like it, we'd set it right there on the side of the table and grab something else. I mean, it was just hands-on, definitely, hands-on. That's how they ate there. That's how they ate Sitting on the floor, lean up against the table, they, they, and they, they didn't sit facing the table. A lot of times they would sit with their, kind of leaning up, with their back and leaning on the table, and then reaching over to the side to get, get their food and stuff. And that's how that, that was their dinner table. They ate out of a communal bowl off a communal platter and used bread as their utensils. They take bread to. To sop up the gravy or whatever or bread to, to grab grab something with think of terms chips and dip you know you go to a, go to the go to Chevy's I say Chevy's because I love their chips and dip and and uh, you know you, chips and dip you know and that's how they ate Pharisees would usually only eat with other friends people that they were familiar with other Pharisees other Sadducees people that could, talk with them and and use the same jargon and the same lingo that they used because they felt that's what they were supposed to do they never ate with anybody but friends and people they knew They they didn't want to eat with people that Jesus ate with any more than you'd eat off the floor because their arms would come in contact with the sinners, they didn't want to sit next to them because they would touch them and defile them as if they weren't already defiled it's like double, everybody's familiar with Seinfeld and, and George when he double dips the chip, okay? And uh, if you watch Seinfeld, if the Renfros were here, they'd be laughing right now because you know, we can't always refer to that, that scene. But George takes a chip and he dips it in the, in the in this dip and he takes a bite and he has chip left over. And he takes it and he dips it again and eats the rest of the chip. And one of the guys gets on him about double dipping his chip, The Pharisees didn't have any of that. They were all about staying clean, staying away from the unclean. Jesus had absolutely no problem sharing a meal with these people. He wasn't insecure about it. He wasn't wasn't upset about being defiled or becoming dirty because He was interested in reaching their heart. He was interested in reaching them, bringing them in. If we would just get to a place in our lives where we would get more interested in bringing people in and just inviting them to church. So many times we get so afraid of of evangelism. That big word, evangelism. I don't know what to say to people. How about, would you like to come to church? Pastor and I were talking last week. Our Sunday morning service is the biggest and best evangelism event we will have at Victory Church. And it happens every Sunday morning at 10.30. If you can't talk to people, if you're you're an introvert or embarrassed to say anything, all you have to do is invite them to church. Let pastor do the talking. Jesus delighted in their company. And they and his. I can imagine. Can you imagine eating dinner with Jesus? Wow. So it goes to say, as Jesus cultivated those uh, relationships, maybe we need to cultivate some relationships as well. Jesus wasn't only all-inclusive. He was intentional about what he did. You know, a lot of times we go on... We go off haphazardly in our lives and we're doing what we do. And if somebody happens across our path and every, you know, Mars aligns with Jupiter and everything's just right, we'll tell them about Jesus or we'll invite them to church. And it shouldn't really be that way. Jesus was intentional about what he did. He went about everything he did, had a reason, had a purpose about it. And it was bringing people to the knowledge of himself, if you will. He sought out these types of opportunities to minister to the outcasts of society, the dregs, if you will. He was a friend to the misunderstood and often cross-cultural boundaries that that were taboo to the the Jewish community. When he went into Samaria, when he talked to people that weren't Jews, that, that that wasn't accepted back then. And you can bet everybody noticed what he was doing when he did it. The Samaritan woman at the well was a no-chance encounter. But he had a need to go through Samaria. We think it was you know, we think, oh well, he's at the well, and the woman happened to walk up. Jesus knew who was going to be at that well. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Jesus isn't surprised. We should, when somebody comes in and we meet somebody anew, we shouldn't be surprised. We should, we should t- take that opportunity to do exactly what we should do and be about our Father's business and minister to them. But a lot of times, what's on the line? Possibly our job, possibly a friendship. We've got to quit worrying about these petty things and seriously consider the more important thing of eternity and where some of these people that we know and love are going to spend it if we don't take action. Jesus was intentional. Jesus explains here that it's only natural that a shepherd would seek to rescue a stray sheep. And of course we know that's his heart, but when when we look at that, we think but they aren't sheep. Sheep are usually symbolic of believers, not unbelievers. But in that thought, we've exposed the differences in the perspective, our perspective and God's perspective. God sees everybody as his sheep. Everybody on earth is a potential sheep for God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. It doesn't say, For God so loved the Baptist. It doesn't say, For God so loved the, uh, you know... Uh, The Catholics, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves everybody. Everybody's a potential sheep. In Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, Jesus replied to them, The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We need to remember who it was Jesus came to save. Because, like Paul said, He was chief sinner. Each of us could say that about ourselves. We're all sinners, saved by grace. That's it. As Pastor says, all it is is telling one beggar, telling another beggar where he got the bread. When a woman is caught in the act of adultery, Jesus doesn't condemn her, but tells her to sin no more and sends her on his way. On excuse me, on her way. When Jesus encounters ten lepers in Luke seventeen. It was because he was passing through Samaria. Throughout his entire ministry, you find him moving about rather than remaining in one place. You never hear about him staying too long in one area. And if the, if they weren't accepting, remember Nazareth when he went home, they weren't accepting. What he do? He put his back to him and he he moved on. He pressed on. That's exactly what we're to do. We get so upset, and I speak for myself. You know, we think when we when we uh, uh, talk to somebody about Christ and they don't accept it. Well, we've got that. It's like leading a horse to water. You can't make him drink. It's like we grab him by the head and we're trying to force feed him or force him to drink. You can't do that. All we can do is present the gospel. If they don't want it, guess what? We wipe our feet and we press on. We've done our job. Their, their blood, as it were, was no longer on our hands. But I'll tell you, if we pass by and we don't say anything and they die and go, go to a, a devil's hell... Guess what? We had the opportunity, their blood's on our hands, at least at the very least a portion of it. These are things we need to think about as we press on and we live our lives. Because I know where, if I die tonight, where I'm going. But I can't say that about some people that I know. We meet people all the time that need Jesus. I've got family members that need Jesus. I've got best friends that need Jesus. My friend and, uh, Mark and Melissa, you don't know what a blessing it was to know that they've accepted Christ as their Savior. I, didn't, I, didn't, I hadn't realized that. It was nothing by what I did, possibly how I lived, but I never talked to them about it. But I still have friends and family that need Jesus. They need, the, they need a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so many of our encounters are brief but what kind of influence do we leave behind what kind of influence are you at work what kind of influence are you at school what kind of influence are you at church you know I'm going to go out on a limb and say 75 to 80% of our testimony is nonverbal People see how we live. People see how we act. That's, that's what's going to get them. When, people, when, we, when we talk about how much fun we have at victory and people see us having fun, that, they, they're interested. It piques their, piques their curiosity. They want to they find out what's going on. We need to be intentional about the gospel. And about being about our Father's business. And The third thing. Jesus was interested. You have to get interested in people's lives. Your family. Your friends. People you don't know. People you just meet. You've got to get interested. You know what? What does pastor say? People won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You've got to be interested in people. Jesus was interested in people. He's... Of course, he's God. No, he never met anybody he didn't already know. But he was interested in people. We don't have that. When we meet somebody, we've got to get to know them. We've got to learn about them. We've got to, but we need to be interested in people. You're not going to bring anybody to Christ or, or point them in the right direction if, if you don't show an interest in their lives. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus describes the finding of a lost sheep as a cause for rejoicing. That the angels, when somebody gives their life to Christ or, or somebody comes back to Christ that's been, been the prodigal son, been lost, or, or wandering off, there's rejoicing in heaven. You guys are awfully quiet. <laughs> I guess I need to work some more jokes in here or something to get some people moving around. Uh, but Jesus loved them and he had their best interest at heart, always. No ulterior motives. If we look back at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there was always an ulterior motive, some finagling, some, some maneuvering around so that they could get what they wanted. But not with Jesus. He was straightforward. He showed interest. Their salvation, their restoration to a right relationship with God was his desire. Everybody's seen the picture of Jesus as he's walking. and He's got the sheep around his, his shoulder. And I, I don't know if it was pastor, a pastor told a story. It might have been Pastor John. About how the shepherd would break a sheep's legs. And then to keep him from wandering away. But then the shepherd would have to take care of that sheep. And I'm sure that, that's what that picture is symbolizing. That sheep with the broken legs... And Jesus having to take care of it. He would put the sheep around his legs and carry the sheep everywhere. And that's what Jesus is He shows interest in his sheep. He shows interest in us. He showed interest in people. And that's why people flock to him. And I'm, not gonna, I'm not saying if we show interest in people, people are going to flock to us. But they're going to know you care when you show a little bit of interest in them. It may seem cruel to us what I just mentioned as far as the shepherd breaking the legs of the sheep but as I said it's the shepherd protecting the sheep and it's tendency to stray and you know what believe it or not all of us have that in us that tendency to stray and sometimes the Lord has to break our spiritual leg to bring us back keep us us where we need to be Jesus showed interest. Jesus speaks of, of the loving care he focuses on us to keep us from straying. Once that sheep's leg mends, he has learned to be close to the shepherd and he'll never stray again. Sheep are dumb animals if you've ever been around them. They're they not the smartest animals, I'm telling you. They have to be taught. Kind of like our kids sometimes, you know, they got to be taught. And that's what, that's what the shepherd would do for the sheep. That's what Christ does for us. He teaches us. He molds us. He points us in the right direction. He speaks to us. He keeps us on the right track. When the lost are rescued, there's cause for great celebration. And not only for the shepherd, but for his, their friends and family too. Don't we get excited when somebody accepts Christ as their Savior? Don't we get excited when we come into church on Wednesday night and get to hear Pastor John preach a good message? I'm still waiting. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We, we need to be excited about what we're doing here. This isn't just another message. This is, this is an important message. Now, I'm far from, uh, from Christ, of course, and being, being him, but, but you know what? The words, I, I, we pray tonight that, that, that God would speak through me to hearts tonight. And he's speaking to your heart. I don't know what he's saying to each and every one of you. He speaks to each of us differently. But he's saying something to us tonight. And we need to pay attention. Throughout the Bible we find Jesus loving, being moved with Compassion. We may see people in a self-destructive pattern, but Jesus sees them and realizes they haven't learned to follow the good shepherd yet. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38 says, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You know, God's looking for, for people that are, show a genuine interest, that will include anybody, that will talk to anybody. You know, a lot of times, uh, as far as the all inclusive, uh, we, we target those people we think would be cool to go to church with. We need to be all inclusive, we need to be intentional. Let's not be haphazard in, in the things that we do as far as the gospel is concerned. Let, let, let's, let's, when, when we go to, to, to speak to somebody, let's be intentional about it. When we see somebody and God lays it on your heart to speak to them, be intentional. Speak to them. Even if it's, hey, how would you like to come to church? You'd be surprised how, how many conversations... What, well, let me back up what a great conversation starter that is with some people. Hey, how would you like to come to church? I already go to church. Oh, really where? Or they may say, "Church, what's that?" What a great conversation that's going to be. But we must be about our father's business. I don't know where I don't know where you are on your uh, as far as being comfortable with spreading spreading the gospel. Uh, uh, talking to people. I uh, sat through class 101 last night and heard heard the story about how the land came to be and how this building came to be. I'm telling you, if you've not heard that story, get with Pastor John and have him tell you again because it's a God thing. God has plans for Victory Church. Having been there at the very beginning, okay, Terry was there at the very beginning. She's the one. But having been there from the very get-go, and Patty, and there's numerous people that came in right at the beginning and along the way have seen what Victory Church has gone through. Has seen the congregations that have come through this church and where we sit today. God has a plan. Has a plan, has plans for Victory Church. But you know what? It's not going to happen. Unless we, we, me, and you are about, our, about the Father's business. Unless we get out there. Unless we evangelize. Unless we spread the word. Unless we invite people to church. Unless we talk to people about Christ. And you don't have to tell them a great big story. Just tell them what Christ did for you. I'm telling you, my friends know how I was. They know who I was. And they see me now not something that just happened. Christ had to do work on John Pratt in order to get him standing right here. Do I feel worthy to be here? Absolutely not. Almost embarrassed. Very unworthy. But called. this, This is where each and every one of us has that calling. Not necessarily to be a pastor But to be about our Father's business, whatever that is, God will reveal it to you. All you have to do is the footwork. Amen?
0: Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. Or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.